everybody and welcome to Love Podomania episode 4 Backlash discussion. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me tonight is Mr Chris May. Chris, how are you? Good evening Dan, I'm fine, thank you very much. I uh, just got finished about an hour ago watching a couple of shows we're going to talk about so they're all relatively fresh in the mind. So, yeah. Good, good, that's good so, to know. Pepped up and feeling good. Mm-hmm. Good, good to hear, good to hear. I'm a little bit annoyed because I forgot to do a wrestling slogan or catchphrase for my intro. But at this point, we're too far gone. 40 seconds in, we can't go back now. And also... Too late. It definitely. And also joining me is Mr Tom Wilson. Tom, we can actually call you Tom this week because the other Tom is busy preparing for a job interview. Best of luck, other Tom. But Tom Wilson, how are you? Yeah, I'm going to have to get used to that. Um, mm-hmm. If there's any pauses after you say Tom, it's probably me just... Um, thinking you're referring to uh, Tom Malloy. But yeah, um, I'm ready. I had a good time watching these two shows that we're about to discuss. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no... Well, I was going to say there's no reason to not start straight in, but I will hold the tail just quickly to say that we didn't do a payback talk show, but what we did, we recorded about 40 minutes of it when my internet absolutely shit its pants. My recording died halfway through and didn't record anything that I'd said for the entirety so and then you know time just got away from us and before we knew it it was backlash apologies for not getting one but alas you know we all thought it was alright and we all love Braun Strowman that's about the that's it was the best one we've ever done as well it, it was, was the best one we've ever done point, but what can you do eh? what can you do we have to soldier on and soldier on we will do so first up on Saturday was NXT TakeOver Chicago. Now, this is a weird one for me because I think I usually love the TakeOvers and I usually think when the uh, kind of... They usually always kind of um, exceed expectations, especially the Mania one. There's no build line to that and it ended up being incredible. This one, even though it had perhaps one of the greatest matches um, in NXT history and perhaps the best WWE match of the year from my two bodies. I think overall, I just don't think it was quite up to scratch with the other takeovers, Chris. Yeah, I went into it blind. I don't I don't watch NXT. I've said it many times. I, I watch you know, they watch the pay per views, the takeovers and so on. Um so I came into it with a bit of a blank slate. <clears throat> but I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean I, I I paid half attention to some of the matches and a bit more to others. Um but overall, you know, it's it's a good solid show and it's shorter than the main one as well, which always works in my book. Yeah, how did you find the whole show, Tom? I thought it was a good show. Um, There wasn't really a bad match on there. Um, The NXT Championship match was better than it's been for the past few takeovers because Bobby Roode actually has some kind of chemistry with Itami, I think. I like Bobby Roode. I actually don't think he's that bad, but I think... He is just, I don't know, he makes me sleepy. I guess that's, I'm, that's yeah. Yeah. a polite way of saying he's a bit boring. I mean, I The like Randy Orton equivalent, Dan. Randy Orton equivalent is the me, you know, mechanical, yeah. competent, and that's pretty much it. And his match of Atami was good. It was the best match of time he's done since, you know, since I've been watching, really. <laughs> I think it's about the, only the second match he's done since I've been watching in offense. But yeah, that was good. I think Strong v Young was a good way to start the show. Um, Roderick Strong's really good if... They're not going to put the rocket onto McIntyre just yet and have him win against Rude. I'd like to see Strong have a title match against Rude on the next takeover because I think that'd be I think that'd actually be pretty good. Again, Sanity doing good stuff. Although they have lost the last couple of matches, so they could they could do with battering someone. And then the the women's triple threat. I think this was a bit messy. I think the the finish was very underwhelming and just didn't didn't reach the heights I was expecting. But you know, at least Oscar's. Well, at least Oscar's still on top. Um, any anything to say on either of those three matches, Chris? Before we get into the two big talking points. Yeah, I thought they were they were okay. You know, there was nothing nothing wrong with them. The, the the women's match was a bit so so. I thought they had some issues with timing on, on a couple of occasions, which led to things looking a little bit on the sloppy side. But you know, they tried something different by making it a three way. So I've got no issue with that. All four shaking things up, especially when you get in the midst of a streak. And streaks piss me off. I don't agree with streaks in, in principle. Um, but yeah, I thought strong, the strong match was decent as well. I, I saw Roddy Strong at PCW, I've said it before, um, and, and he was a bit bland, to be honest. Seems to be a bit more um, well-rounded at the moment, which is interesting. We'll see how he carries on. But yeah, you know, again, no no complaints. I thought it was a solid sort of seven, seven and a half out of ten at the best. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tom? 
Um, I've not really taken to <clears throat> Broderick Strong so far in, as in, yeah, in his NXT run. Um, I always thought he was a bit, uh, like Chris said, bland when he was in Ring of Honor, and he's not really done anything to wow me yet. And that match in particular kind of annoyed me because the rules were just fucking thrown out of the window for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like what? Um, Sanity should have been DQ'd at least three times. The ref mm-hmm. didn't see when Big Killer just absolutely battered him, apparently. Mm. Yeah, but it was... Eek. It, the stuff like that just breaks <laughs> my immersion so badly. And I was just giving out about it to myself while I was watching it. It's real to you, damn it. It is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've only seen Strong... Outside of NXT, the only things I've seen Strong in was kind of the progress. And he was a heel in that. And he was quite a good, smarmy, dickhead heel. And maybe we'd like that would be a good thing to see from Strong at some point. But let's get to the big talking point. The match of the night, the match of the weekend. And at least in WWE, the match of the year. Because, let's be honest, it's not better than Omega and Okada. Nothing will be. But if you subtract that, because it's just on another league entirely, perhaps the match of the year, Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne. I've legit watched this three times already. It was fucking incredible. I'm just... Just seeing two UK lads who aren't actually signed full time to WWE, you know, they'll be doing their indie stuff fucking this weekend, no doubt. This week, no doubt. Back around, uh, you know, our little island, and they just fucking blew the fucking roof off the crowd. I was stunned at how amazing the crowd was for it. They were on the feet constantly. They had UK chance. This is awesome chance. Fight forever chance. Everything and. It was just fucking amazing, Tom. Yeah, um, I have to give the crowd some credit. Before the match, I was thinking to myself, oh, the crowd are going to fucking ruin this. I just know they won't give these two the um, the reactions that they deserve, but they fucking did, and then some as well. They, they absolutely played their part. But yeah, this match was fucking incredible. I'd probably say, since I started watching wrestling again four years ago, this is the best match I've seen on WWE television. Easily, I think. I think it's either this or the DIY revival two or three falls match. Since I've been watching in the past year, I think these two are my favorite. I mean, and it added a different layer with me just being like, like feeling like a proud dad just seeing fucking yeah. UK guys just being so amazing. I mean, both of these guys. I think there's so many good like highlights you could pick from this match, but out of all the um, the amazing like kind of high spot moves. My favourite bit was when they were just punching the share of each other. Just literally just oh, yeah. slobber knocking. It was amazing. The crowd was going mad. Oh, I just, I can't. I've literally literally watched it three times. I watched it live. I watched it when I woke up the morning after. And then I showed um, my mate who doesn't watch it but kind of likes wrestling. And then two people who have no idea what it is at all. And they said, oh, this is sick. And I was like, loved it, Chris. Absolutely loved it. Mm, absolutely agree. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could put... I think you could put Pete Dunne straight in the middle of things now. You know, take that take that Samoa Joe role on SmackDown, for example. I think he would play it perfectly. Uh, I'm interested to hear your your sort of top matches and how things pivot. I think since I came back into it a couple of years ago, I'd probably put that up on my favourite one, which is the Cena, Lesnar, and Rollins triple threat, okay. uh, which is one of one of my absolute favourites of the recent of recent years. But they had everything, didn't it? I thought the storytelling, the physicality, the athleticism, it was all absolutely off the chain and. It might be the Chicago crowd. I'm not sure if it would have got the same response somewhere else, but I think Chicago, for, for the stick they get, they always bring it, the crowd, and they showed it in Backlash as well. I thought they played a decent part there too. Um, but I loved it. absolutely loved it. I think bright future for both, and it's incredible how young how young Tyler Bate is. The guy's got everything. Um, I just wish than me, man. It's insane. Yeah. I wish they'd just sort out the promo video packages that made him look like he had that Blue Peter badge on for about six months. Um, but apart from that, it's flawless, absolutely flawless. I'm really, really happy that they're getting all these these plaudits because it was it was absolutely brilliant, one of the best ones I've seen easily in the last couple of years. I mean, some of the moves that Tyler pulled out, the moonsault off the second rope, the fucking spiral yeah. tap for Christ's sake. Um, oh my God, when he hit that fucking spiral tap, I stood up and fucking no, <laughs> popped so loudly. I was like on the edge of my seat and just watching, I was like, what, I was like, what's he going to do? He can't just be like something like a shooting star or anything, it's going to be it, because he already did a running shooting star press, I was like, <gasps> and he hit that and I was like, what the fuck even is that? And I mean, I, I, this punching was my favourite, but this fucking move, I still don't know how he did it. When he runs into the ropes with his fucking head and shoulders. Yeah, how did he fucking do that? I don't that know. Was amazing. Like, it Honestly, it's so good. Voice. And both of these lads deserve everything they're going to get because they are two talented bastards. And 
you know, and, if I, and even better that I think the right person won because obviously Pete Dunne, <laughs> it's taken us this long to get to it, Pete Dunne actually did win, he fucking twatted uh, bait into the floor as he was doing a dive and then dead-ended him and oh, and that DDT as well that uh, mm, Ben yeah, had done when you're like, oh my god, that was so I absolutely stopped it and, and rewound it because I couldn't work out how I'd done it one of those amazing moves that makes you just question the laws of physics. It's uh, mm. sensational. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, like I said, Dunn was the right person to win because when we get into the hopefully the weekly UK show or whatever they decide to do with the whole thing, it's good to have the big heel as a champion and have the likes of Tyler Bate, Mark Andrews, maybe even Wolfgang, and the, maybe even Dan Maloney and those likes, and Trent Seven, of course, kind of chasing Dunn. And the UK show has a lot of potential. It's certainly more made than the Cruiserweight division probably ever was, to be honest with you. I Did think. you think... So, Did you think it was a bit weird when um, Wolfgang came out? And I almost for a second thought, well, why are the crowd completely and utterly silent? But they muted they muted all the crowd noise. Is this on the just, UK Norwich show? Uh, no, 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 on the on the actual, um, whatever it was, the other one. The one where they had the, the, the Pete Dunn and Bait match, that show. Uh, oh, that the, the one from, we're talking UK about now. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> the one from yesterday. Well, over the weekend, whenever it was, Saturday. The Norwich this one, is completely. Right. Was it that? I don't yeah. know what the fuck I'm like talking the, about. Did he face Joseph Connors? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah that's Sorry, right. yeah. yeah and, and the it, crowd was weird for that. It was they completely th- muted the crowd, even though you could see them clapping and chanting. It just didn't make any sense to me at oh, all. Why? Cause... Yeah, I was going to like segue into the uh, UK show mm-hmm. because it was a weird one. It was four matches, and the first half was kind of dead. I mean, the crowd seemed very quiet. It seemed like a typical UK uh, WWE crowd rather than a UK crowd. Um... The production values weren't very good. The place they were in was a bit shit. It was really dark. The first, you know, the uh, the second match had three cruiserweights that didn't even include Norm Dan, Neville, or Gallagher. So there was completely no connection at all. But we did then have uh, and Tyler Bate, uh, Pete Dunne versus Trent Seven, which was really good. And then Mark Andrews v Tyler Bate, which was also fucking incredible. And the shit they got away with, like two reverse Hurricane Runners and fucking slice bread on the apron and all that sort of stuff mm. you can just tell when Vinny's not watching because he just <laughs> they can do stuff that everyone else isn't allowed to completely agree and it's nice to see that difference isn't it the difference in style because my missus watches this watches Raw and so on with me you know as a half interested spectator mm-hmm. but she very rarely sort of gets off a seat in excitement but then we were watching that because it was so different that was the response it provoked and I think that's what it needs because the main product can be sometimes a little bit predictable, a little bit bland. Yeah. But this this just goes to show there's more to life than, than what you see at uh, on the Monday night and the Thursday or oh, Tuesday, whenever absolutely. it is these days. I think the the greatest takeaway from the takeover is that, man, if you like wrestling, go and watch the UK stuff. I mean, there's Progress, there's Rev Pro, there's Over the Top Wrestling in Ireland, there's Fight Club Pro, there's Attack, there's so ICW, there's so, 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 so many... With incredible matches like the, well, not quite as heights as Baton done every week, but there's a matches just as, uh, with just as good people and just as good quality every fucking week, if not every day these days. I mean, the amount of shows of a new company called Lucha Forever who are doing great stuff. I mean, you should go and check it out. Uh, the interesting thing with Pete Dunne taking the, bait, the belt from Bait is that how it will affect the progress story because, of course, in progress, Bait and Dunne and Seven are all in like an evil uh, Peaky Blinders gang. And there's this disruption between Bate and Dunn, and him taking his belt could lead to their finally coming to their breakup. So it's, it's all it's all well and good. It's all well and good. And the main event of NXT was AOP versus DIY in a ladder match, which for me, Tom, I think I think this match was a bit plodding and it was a bit of a spot fest. I think the spots when they happened were really good, but I think. The setup to him was always a little bit contrived. The match was a little bit plodding, but obviously it was kind of worth it for what we got at the end. Oh, yeah, the match it. itself, the match itself was a bit flat compared to the stuff that <coughs> DIY had been doing on other takeovers. But the storytelling was still there yeah. throughout the match, and that's what DIY is so good at. I think they're the best in the company at doing that, just telling the story during the match. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And of course, you know, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to the heel turn itself, but the match itself, Chris. What do you think of it? I mean, there was like I said, there was a lot of great spots. I mean, phew, when Gargano and Champa jumped off them, like they jumped off the ladder and tried yeah. to, I was shitting myself. I thought they were dead, and like 
and then the uh, well, Tommaso smashing him through the ladder, Ellerin getting a super kick and selling it reasonably well for a seventy odd year old man. I think there was a lot of, to like here, but it was just a little, little disjointed for my test. Um, I don't know about disjointed. I can see where you're coming from, but I, I think in, in the modern era, you have got to have a mix of what the main show has and then what NXT is good at, which is maybe showcasing showcasing the people that aren't good at, really going to make that much of a splash on there. Although we'll talk about that in a minute or two with regards to DIY. Um, so I, I liked it in that respect because it had that variety that uh, that I'm looking for. Um, the spots were what they were. I'm, you know, I'm in, always in two minds about spot matches in, in terms of what they benefit and what they take away from the overall spectacle. But I thought this was another good, solid match. I love the uh, the storytelling between two. I love the physicality of AOP as well. And I love having it. Paul Ellen. To think that they're all, yeah. you know, we talk about Bait and Dunn, how they, they are. These lads are only 22, 23, 24 around that age. And yeah. they've come from, you know, from the performance centre pretty much. They're still pretty green. I think they've only been in it pretty much a year, maybe less. Yeah. And they're doing really well. Uh, yeah, and Paul Ellerin will always be one of my, my good books for what he's done over the last 20-odd years. I think he should be possibly a Hall of Fame nominee going forward, especially the way he took that super kick. Like you say, it's 70, 70-ish years old. The man's an absolute hero. Um, but yeah, coming on to... I'll let you come on to what we might talk about in just a second or two, but despite my inherent and inbuilt cynicism about turns, I didn't see it coming. Really? Didn't see it, didn't see it coming. See, for me, I think... I feel like I see it coming at the end of every time they lose because they just, like, after the mm. Cruiserweight Classic match, which was incredible and is a great sign of things to come, um, when they lost the belts, when they lost the rematch, when they fucking lost the uh, triple threat. I mean, they always just linger on them hugging and this time mm. they finally did it. They got to the end of the ramp, they put the little sticker on it, which usually shows it's the end of the show. But Yeah, instead, I thought we were in the clear when we saw that. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they knew what they were doing. And as it came up, Champa says... This is not. Our, oh, this was supposed to be our moment, but this is my moment. He grabbed Johnny's head, smashed him into the video wall, need him, need him again, quite viciously, which was a lovely, nice touch because if you cast your mind back to the cruiser uh, to the cruiserweight match, um, Champa pulled down his knee pad and then pulled it back up to not hit him that hard, and then he subsequently lost the match. No, no, no restraint this time, and then he did a fucking. Minging looking spot off the table onto more tables, and Johnny Gargano played the part of looking absolutely fucked and heartbreaked, Tom. Heartbreaked, yeah. heartbroken. The ending <laughs> shot of um, Champa on the, like, sitting on the table just looking down at um, yeah, Gargano. 10 minutes after the show as well. The, that was the so fucking creepy. It gave me goosebumps, actually. He's, yeah, it's going to be so good. It, I, might, I actually might start watching NXT Weekly again if these two are going to be on there regularly. I reckon we're going to get. I'm not sure they're going to be on for that long. If you re- popular rumor be believed, Tom. That's yeah, true. But I think they deserve like a big match at the um, takeover before some. Yeah, payoff. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think I think if they write Johnny off for a bit, sell that he's absolutely fucked. Have got, you know have Tommaso come out, establish himself as an absolute nutter. Have him just kill a few. You know, have him absolutely destroy any law can or. Cassius on or something, smash some well strong maybe some well loved faces making. I think the possibility with Champa is he could be what Ambrose should be, just absolute not a heel who's psychotic and weird and proper evil. And then eventually we get Gargano back, and then we have this massive feud which just from the cruiserweight matches. I don't know if you saw it, Chris, but it was amazing and. With the I did not, but I'll be seeking it out. Oh my god! It was incredible, and then and that was like kind of the storytelling was you know they're still pals, they're going at it, they're just, they're just they're going at it the best they can because they're their friends. Now with the story of Champa apparently fucking hates him, it, we could have some fucking incredible stuff. And I mean Gargano in the whole yeah, you know in the whole segment was he played it so well with his acting on you know, reaching out for Champa and Champa just slapping him away. It was just it was just so completely yeah. His eyes. He told the whole story with his eyes to me when he was uh, he was selling that table that table shot. Especially, it was absolutely brilliant. It was. It, I, I said, as someone that's not really that up on NXT, it didn't really need to be to to buy the entire feeling of the story they were telling. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I like the commentary team as well. By the way, quick shout out to the commentary team. I thought Jr. made a real big difference, um, adding a bit of gravitas to it, and I think. It makes a big difference as well, do you not think, when they're recording these things live and oh, it's not a pre-tape or anything like that. I think you get the, the sort of raw emotion over a lot better. Him and Nigel McGuinness, I thought, were excellent. Yeah, Nigel McGuinness is really, really good. I think Percy Watson, he just doesn't... 
Yeah. Who is Percy Watson? I was wondering he's this, by the way. He's a NXT guy who never made it and probably oh, had injuries or something. He's, he came back to like be Corey a Corey Graves, then. Can I will like say, Corey Graves was Percy a Wat- guy who got injured badly. He, mm. uh, Percy Watson never was to Graves' level. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, Percy Watson, he's not as bad as he was. The first takeover he was on, yeah. I think it was the one before the Rumble, he was so he was. fucking bad. And, you know, NXT is a place for people to develop. Yeah, he has improved, definitely. Gym. But at no thing... point during the night was I like, oh, mm. fucking shut up, Percy. But right, I think the thing like... is, he doesn't talk enough. It's almost like it's McGuinness and Phillips, which is great because McGuinness is class. But P- Percy Watson will just chirp up every now and again and offer absolutely nothing. And there's literally not really much point of him being there. So that's where it's a bit. It's a bit weird, but won't be grudging him trying and keeping improving because that's what NXT is about. But yeah, Tom, it's going to be a good old feud, this isn't it? Oh, it's going to be so good. Um, they just have there's just so many things they can do with it. I really hope they don't, uh, like you alluded to, Chris, end it early so they can bring them up to the main roster. Mm-hmm. They need if they give this feud time, it could be the best feud in NXT history quite easily. Mm-hmm. I think. It's interesting because they kind of have Candice LeRae now. Obviously, Johnny Gargano's wife. I mean, they're never going to do it in a million years, but it'd be one hell of a way to introduce her over on the next NXT show. She comes out and just fucking twats Champa with a chair for doing it to him. I enjoyed the tweets you put out about having been betrayed by a fa- uh, so it felt like the member of the family. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy it when things like that, when you know Matt Hardy's wife, for example, will get involved in some of the things. Yeah. I do enjoy that, that protecting of the character because you see people like Bray Wyatt who hasn't got the fucking first idea about how to protect his character on social media. And then you've got others, like, like the um, like Candice and what have you, make, taking it to the extreme. I prefer that approach to it than the, the sort of slack-arsed Bray Wyatt sat in fucking Denny's Diner with his family smiling and happy. This eater of worlds eating his fucking chicken pot pie. <laughs> <laughs> so long may that continue. Absolutely. absolutely. I want to ask you, Tom, quickly. I, I can't really ask Chris because you know, he's not really up to date on NXT, but I want, want you to know. Who do you think would make it better on the roster, Champa or Gargano? Because I feel like Gargano could be kind of, well, hopefully better, like a Zayn level base where he's like always on the mid card. Everyone loves him, and eventually he'll get his big break. But I'm, I don't know what they'll do. I don't know what they do with Champa on his own, and that's why I'm heels, for the breakup. Heels that get booed are solid needed on the main roster, and Champa knows how to get that heat. So yeah. I'd probably say Champa. Interesting, interesting. Uh, but they also need baby faces because they've probably, probably got one or two who people actually like. So, and you know, and fair play to the crowd again for going in on Champa. I mean, they did say Psycho Killer at first, but he was quickly drowned out with a fuck you Champa and arsehole chance. So, all good all round. It was, it was a good show next day, but I think, you know, I think the majority of the matches were below the par of what I'd come to expect from next day, but it's still good. It's still, you know, when you set a high standard, it's hard to keep it all the time. But speaking of disappointments, let's go to Backlash because I thought this was—I I stayed up for it, and maybe that was a way I've judged it. You know, it's, it's quite hard to watch when you're two in the morning when you're knackered. But I thought this was very underwhelming, and I'm not even asked about the gender stuff. I think the gender stuff was probably better than I thought it would be. I put AJ Owens and Shinsuke's debut were just were just letdowns for me, Chris. And I know you enjoyed it, but I, don't know, mm, I came away I did. underwhelmed. No, and I can see why. I mean, I, I, Nakamura is probably the constant through my NXT. What little NXT I watch, and I'd always make time to watch him. So I just think he's absolutely fantastic. But I had a few problems with it. I mean, first and foremost, and this may be a bit deep nerd, so I do apologise in advance for this. But I feel like I'm amongst my I'm amongst my people here, so I can absolutely. say what I was going to say. But why the fuck was Ziggler wearing an American flag themed wrestling gear? Yeah, he's meant well. to be the meant to be the heel facing the debuting foreign face. Yeah. Um, you know, it's deep wrestling, but it bothered me on a fundamental level. Um, and then having Nakamura sell for 15 minutes yeah. against Ziggler, who has now had to prove himself against about eight different people that he still got it and then lost every single time. Like, um, but that's but that's by the by. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, it would have been a fine match if it was like a SmackDown mm-hmm. fucking mid match or whatever. But it wasn't a debut match. It didn't show Shinsuke as this mad force. This you know this. Nope. zany guy who's funny not dating. yet he like I said he got battered for 15 minutes and it, you know like I said it would have been completely serviceable any other time but for Shinsuke's debut it just didn't showcase him did it Tom it didn't um, we'll we'll get to this a bit later on but uh, yeah Shinsuke's been fun in, in for a long 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 time mm-hmm. I think um, he just doesn't really try to make any chemistry with his opponents 
Um, that's why I think <clears throat> the Miz would have been a far better opponent for him because mm. the Miz knows how to bring out the best in other people and make people care. And I don't think, really, don't think people cared about this. Sadly, I think the entrance was so underplayed as well. Like, yeah, it was very average, wasn't it? It was. It was just yeah, like there's no, no sort of drama about it. Was there? They, had, they obviously had these when he made his debut. It didn't come to anything, which made me laugh. When he just walked out and he cut to an advert. At least you had the violinist there yeah, making a bit of a. And they cut to the violinist, and everyone was like, "Yeah." Everyone who knew was like, "Oh shit!" But everyone else making was like, a moment out of it. Yeah. Mm. And this was just nothing. Was a bit, bit, bit pound shop. But yeah, it was. Like I say it was a completely fine match. You know, Shinsuke won thankfully, but just wasn't what it could have been. And again, that's I think the same with AJ Owens now. It's obvious that this is going to happen again. They're going to fight a few more times, and I hope they get better. And I actually didn't mind the finish. I thought the finish was quite inventive. I've definitely not seen that before. Bit of a you know, bit of a cock tease, but still good. But again, it was like just it was, again, it just all these matches kind of stream um, scream just SmackDown matches to me. They didn't scream pay per view. So yeah, um, the matches were very sort of. It was a smack. It was a smack episode of SmackDown. This uh, apart from the main event, it was an episode of SmackDown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. What did you think of the AJ match, uh, Chris? Yeah, it's two good people doing good things. But I think both of them, I expect them to do amazing things every single time. It's maybe a little bit unfair, but overall, I thought it was a pass. You know, we got a pass. It was a the starting point in a feud that's going to obviously have three, four, five, maybe more matches to come. Um, I think AJ may be more suited to perhaps someone like Nakamura. I know you were talking then about potential future opponents for the guy. I'd like to see that one further down the line. Um, but between Owens and, and AJ, I thought they had it pretty much covered, and, and the ending, yeah, the ending was all right. It was different, uh, and I, I always said that I preferred to see something different. Mm. It just felt a bit cheap, but then again, it's the first leg of a sort of six leg final. Mm. And it got good, got always good heat. Yeah, but which he, he's got in spades, hasn't he? That man can do anything. I want to ask you, what do you think of Owens' new gimmick at the minute? He's like shaved his head and beard a little bit. He looks weird, and I don't like it. He's doing this face of America thing so he's wearing American colours even though he's like Canadian and you know, now the two biggest heels on Smackdown are anti-American people what do you think of it Chris? I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling it to be honest with you yeah it's not really going anywhere yet is it but there's still time I mean I'd, I'd trust that guy to you know to get listen to him reading the phone book one of those kind of jobs so mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not upset by it it's a bit meh but then again I find Smackdown to be a lot of meh you know, more yes. often than not yeah, it's one of those shows where it's cool to like it more than Raw, but I really think if you broke it down to its component parts, I don't really think it's that much better um, mm-hmm. on many different levels, which we'll come to shortly. Tom, what do you, what do you think of Owens' like, new gimmick at the minute? Um, I like it. I think he's making it work, as he tends to do with everything. Well, he's definitely um, making but it's, gold out of shit, to be fair. It's definitely not his best, though. He's had better... Mini gimmicks, we should say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On to slightly better things. I thought Zane and uh, Baron Corbin was pretty good, and I'm surpri- very surprised that Zane actually won. No doubt he'll get battered on Tuesday from out of nowhere, and maybe lose a feud overall. But a nice, good win for Zane, and a decent match. But let's talk about the highlight of the evening: Fandango and Tyler oh, Breeze, oh, the main Coco at the Boyos, and they were. Maybe it was a weird match to do all the comedy stuff in since it was their first title match of any, or first match of any real substance forever. But it was, it was fucking, it was funny, Tom. It was great. Oh my god, I laughed so much during this match. Um, the whole metrosexual like um, police thing is just so funny to me. They just, they just suit it so well. They're so good at like the. The day one is H joke. If that was anyone else, <laughs> I'd fucking roll my eyes. <laughs> They're just so funny together. And the, the actual match itself, what I loved was Tyler Breeze going from disguised and like slowly getting back into his usual attire during the match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and credit it. credit to the Usos as well because they were a good um, uh, a good heel act in that match. They, yeah, I think they sold... sort of amplified the um, yeah. yeah. They definitely sold the bizarreness of it and the stupidness of it, where everyone else was like loving it. They were like, what the fuck are these guys playing at? And they did, they should have won, and they did win, and it was good because, you know, they, 
they weren't, you know, Breeze and Fandango weren't taking it seriously, so it makes sense that they didn't really win when, you know, Ustos were just befuddled and just, they, they eventually got pissed off and just battered them. I think the, but it was, I enjoyed the funny bit. I enjoyed with Breeze fucking tripping him up with the mop. I enjoyed the lifting the skirt up bit. I fucking loved it. I loved it when uh, Uso kicked or punched Breeze right in the face when he was in his cleaner get up and his fucking moustache went off, flew off his face. That was great, and and it was yeah, it was fun. And you know, Breeze and Fandango are both really good, and letting them actually have time and get over his characters and have matches. It's it's definitely what SmackDown absolutely needed, Chris. Agreed. Uh, and special part, uh, shout out as well to when he was rolling away from when he was up on the ring on the apron. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> on his aerial spot, I just that, that could have carried on. That could have carried on for the full two and a half hours. And I would have been pissed my pants, laughing all the way through. Um, but the match itself was was great. Um, Fandango, wow, that is probably my most underrated wrestler on the entire roster. He's got a stupid name, and that's held him back for years. But God, the man can do anything. He reminds me so much of Cody Rhodes that they give him absolutely the most stupid, awful things to do. But he'd always find a way to turn it into absolute gold. And he's so solid in the ring as well. Absolutely brilliant. Um, there's one writer, I don't know if you've heard, he's called Alvarez. I think he does that. He's had a pro wrestling talk. Yeah, he's a fucking weapon. He's a fucking dick. He, he's come on all social media about how he hated it. As if it was going to be a fucking straightforward match between the Fashion Files and the <laughs> Usos. As if you'd expect a, expect a serious match. Yeah, he's a melt, that guy, big time. Um, um, it's a shame, though, that they haven't got something... Build European belt, like some sort of intermediate belt like that. I think someone like Fandango would be ideal for that kind of level. Um, but this match just showcased absolutely everything. The in-ring stuff was good. Um, the comedy was there. And it just was a nice diversion because WWE takes itself far too seriously sometimes. And Dan, I don't know if you've seen, but a staple of the UK indie scene is, you know, the comedy matches. Madman Manson used mm-hmm. to be fantastic yeah, as well. And so, so, so funny when, when they do it right. Great, and this wasn't obviously as, yeah, this obviously wasn't as stupid as the you know the, the indie sort of comedy matches, but this was well and truly worth a, a diversion from the main sort of scene that they were expecting for. And I absolutely lapped it up every second of it. I'll, t- I'll tell you, um, what, Chris, if you like comedy, you need to check out Session Moth Martina. You will love her. Right. She had a match Noted. with a recently turned 18-year-old referee at Fight Club Pro this past week. I recommend going watching it because it's rather, rather funny. Noted, it? noted. Um, but yeah, when you know the, the one moment of feeling a little bit of something less than disdain for JBL when he got hit in the head with that, that dress, that made me laugh. I mean, he, you know, just, he, just little moments like annoying, that. And then he is quite funny, but he is also a cunt. I mean, he was such a cunt to Zane for the entirety of his match. I know. It certainly didn't mute the fire Bradshaw chance at that segment. Anyway, when he got hit in the dress in the face with the dress, it with the the chance were louder than I've ever heard him. You know, so that that's not going away, is it, a prick? No, but, you know, when he got the just fun at him, he said something like the last time that happened, I paid for it, and I'm like, oh, that, is, that is pretty funny, but you, you, you are a dick, so it's hard to laugh at you. But, yep. Yep. Anyhow, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a fun match, and I think this has scope to continue, and hopefully the fashion police remain at the upper echelons of the tag team division, because there isn't anyone else for starters. And they are really fucking good and over and funny, so let it continue. I think the other matches on the show, Harper and Eric Rowan and the women's tag match, were pretty dead, so we won't discuss them. Are we all in agreement there? Yeah. I feel bad for Harper. I think Harper Harper could be that that sort of uh, Champa-style killer, but Christ, he's just going nowhere, isn't he? Absolutely nowhere. something else, definitely. I don't even know. He's probably a face. Mate, him and Shinsuke could be fucking class. I'd love to see that, but... Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Harper. They've got so many people they could do so much more with, they just don't. It's letting me under and stagnate, and it, mm. it's a shame. The only, the only other thing I'll say from the fucking the women's match is, what the shitting hell was Becca doing with her hair, man? <laughs> Rufio. Rufio. <sighs> Rather not. But let's <laughs> get to the main events. Because the gender is so ironically unhindered. And we discussed this on the Dead podcast about how he was getting his push, and I liked it. I thought it was new, I thought it was interesting. You know, land of opportunity. It's an opportunity. But Jinder Mahal is now the WWE <laughs> champion after he beat Randy Orton. And, well, 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 Chris, 
Well, what do you have it's to one say? of them, isn't it? It's you either embrace it as the most ridiculous thing they've done in the in years, or you sit down and break it down, and it's still the most ridiculous thing they've done in years. It's, it's I think be their weakest champion ever, ever. Oh, it, it, they booked him for months and months and months as the ultimate job of losing against fucking Darren Young. You know, that that was probably <clears throat> about six or seven yeah. weeks ago. It maybe a bit maybe a bit longer than that. It's so so stupid. Um, when he won the the there's like the qualifying match, it was his second win or third win since he'd been back, which was since the August, the last August, and he'd beaten Jack yeah. Swagger and maybe Heath Slater in that literally that two second match when Heath wasn't looking and he just battered him from behind. That's that, and then yeah. since he's it, beaten it, Zane, he's beaten AJ Styles <laughs> for fuck's sake. It, Defies it defies logic. It totally defies logic. But you know, what other what other option have we got but to go with it and see what happens? It might only last a, a couple of weeks or a month. Who knows? But hey, at least it's not Orton. I'd be quite content with that because he is. We're talking about bland. Christ Almighty! Even in a match of that magnitude, even when he was doing what he was doing, he is still. You know, it's 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 interesting. He needs to be healed. Matches and he just needs to be. Yeah, the. the they're clearly like technically proficient along that sort of that sort of um, explanation, but by Christ, they're boring. You're never going to get something that's going to get you off your seat watching a Randy Orton match. Not these no. days. He's far too far too comfortable and settled yeah. in the role that he's got. I actually thought he put in much more effort into this than I expected. And my highlight of the match was him when he nearly fucking killed one of the Singh brothers when he threw him onto the table. Because cra- and his face <laughs> afterwards, he knew he'd fucked it. And- if that yeah, that was so funny him, as well. He'd have been, been fuming, wouldn't he, Tom? Yeah. Um, the match was very... Um... Oh, yeah, and by the way, it took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out what you meant by the dead podcast. I thought yeah, there yeah. was, like, a different podcast. That... Yeah, you're just not invited on that one, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the one where you can't be asked with my shit. No, um, right. But, yeah, the match itself, I enjoyed it, actually. I enjoyed the um, sort of... the. The will he, won't he win sort of thing. It was and, really expensive, uh, yeah. man. Like, oh, yeah. It was like, especially because. Way. It's not like I couldn't see Mahal winning happening. It's that I didn't know if he wasn't. I could see either or. And it was like. They fucking did it, man. They fucking did it. Oh. Yeah, it was. No um, going back now. Especially because the odds on Randy to win were absolutely slashed by the bookies in the run up, run up to it. Um. So if you I'm, believe I'm, popular rumour, though, Tom, it was a decision they made a couple of hours before. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me to kind of, like, I don't know, work for bookies or something like that. Um, but, yeah. Jinder Mahal, he's just... <laughs> his body looks just, like a map of rivers in makes no, river country. Makes no effort to hide it, does he? I mean, <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even subtle. Did you see the picture of it? There's a, a close-up picture I saw on Twitter of his back. I mean, yeah, fucking it's, hell. It's disgusting, isn't it? There was a lad who used to go to our school, and his nickname, his very creative nickname, was Cheese Greater Face, because he was so riddled with acne and spots that he looked like his head had been mashed by Cheese Greater. Um, and that was the, that was the, yeah, it's quite a caring and sensitive school I went to. Um, and that is the exact impression I got from looking at his back. Christ almighty, it's like I could join the dot competition. Absolutely, absolutely disgusting. You could drive a mini through his reins. Yeah. And he's got tits as well. He's got tits, actual tits. <laughs> I don't know if any of you listened to it. He was on Jericho's podcast, and I listened to it. And he says that he he's, he's saying that he was drinking. He wasn't very happy. And then one day he just thought, "I'm going to be positive." And he stopped drinking all of a sudden. Went on this diet, and then he was slimming when WWE came for him. And that, that was two months after he'd started dieting. And he's been still doing this diet. He's been getting up every morning, doing his cardio. He's been hitting the gym all the time, getting in shape. And now he's gotten because of this a magical diet. He's now in the shape he is. He could sell this diet and make fucking billions. Yeah, because I want it. Diet, I want this fucking absolute. diet. Diet called horseshit diet. Yeah, and I just it's so it? obvious, isn't it? it can't, it can't, is it so obvious that it can't, like you just can't be? And he's actually telling the truth, and he's on this mad diet of fucking oh, just fucking kale and crack mushrooms. It's as believable. It's as believable as Fandango and Breezy doing the whole fashion police. It's no more. It's no more sensible and serious than that. It's a. It's a gimmick. It just so happens to be in sort of against in the entire wellness policy that Triple H is no longer subject to. What do you think, Tom? Do you think he is on? Like, it's, 
I don't know, man. He just... It's yeah, so he's obvious definitely on, he's, he's definitely on the merchandise without any shadow of a doubt. His nipples are at least growing <laughs> twice. That's my life on it, honestly. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, by hook or by crook, he's got there to be fair to him and who are we to begrudge as such an athlete? But, Tom, how do you think his fucking run's going to go? What's going to happen now? Oh, I don't know. Um... They could do. I had a thought earlier. I thought they would just do it, um, you know, the Kane thing mm-hmm. where you won the title and then lost it immediately. They could do that um, because the the reception to him winning hasn't been entirely positive. But that might just come down to you know him being Indian or whatever, even though he's not like properly Indian. I've actually seen the video of the Indian or the Hindi commentators commentating. Yes, yeah. that is so good. He's like the biggest baby <laughs> face in India, man. Oh, yeah. Do you not think that? Sorry, no. I think that they might be setting something up. I saw something mentioned with Rusev. Um, isn't well, isn't money in the bank? Money in the bank coming up soon as well. Well, Rusev, you know, he's apparently demanding a fucking title shot mm. next. I mean, but then are we having both two anti-American heels in a title match? Then why not? Why not? They've had uh, what's his face winning the bloody cha- winning the championship, so all bets are off. I don't know. What, how do you see his run going, Chris? What's going to happen? Um, yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's. It's what I just said. I think it's one of those ones where if he's still champion in four weeks, I'd be amazed. Yeah. Yeah. So. Something simple. Something simple like the like not money in the bank. Obviously, that's going to be too soon. But some sort of screwy title change. Getting someone like Rusev as, as a, a credible champion. And then you can transition another face coming back into taking it off him, be it AJ or whoever. They'll, they'll work something out, but I just don't think it'll last. It's a shame, I'm, I'm pleased for the lad. But it's uh, it's happened before, hasn't it, where they've given people their opportunities. Like when you've got um, Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental belt, mm-hmm. probably for about, 20, about 22 hours. It's just a reward, isn't it? And, and they see what happens. Interesting, though, that all their business business is taking them to India and to places like that. Yeah, I think you might see, you might see a bit more of this. You know that that Chinese guy they've just taken on NXT. Yeah, you know, there's not, yeah, <laughs> fantastic. There's not, there's things like that cropping up all over the place now. So who's to say it's not going to be uh, be more often repeated? Money Interesting. In the bank is four weeks away on the 18th of June. Is mm. he champion Convenient. for that show? I think he could be, but I think you could have something similar to when Ambrose cashed in. Uh, at the same night against Seth when Seth came back and beat what's his face you know I think there's options there definitely options okay well that was Backlash I think it's disappointing there was some there was some good moments there were some talking points no doubt about it but I think definitely like a C tier C tier uh, pay per view and hopefully things can pick up by the time uh, Money in the Bank comes around before we scoot off and enjoy the rest of our evenings um List, I presume listener of the show, Chris. I'm not. I'm not sure, but at least a friend. Uh, oh, good. Yes, childhood friend. Sure, childhood friend of Chris, uh, Mr. Chris Hammer, writes in and asks: <clears throat> As someone trying to take an interest after many years away, I'm repeatedly disappointed at the number of ordinary, regular style matches with the same formula. Where are all the jaw-dropping moments these days? To give the question a bit more relevance, I was told this Nakamura was something else, but unless I missed something, his match at Backlash seemed very normal. You missed nothing, pal. The commentators were were waxing lyrical about it, but there was literally nothing that made me think, wow, was I alone in thinking this? Am I being too harsh? So, two questions there. We've answered the Nakamura one. No, I think we're all with you. It was definitely underwhelming for what Nakamura can do and what this match should have been. And secondly, where were all the jaw-dropping moments these days, Chris? I think Mahal winning was mm. certainly one of them. Indeed, as a as a bit of a, a, a prefix to that question, me and Chris went to school and college together, and what have you, known him for donkey's years. And we first we were watching together back in the you know two thousand two thousand and one that sort of time. So he's coming from a position of being so peak Hardys, peak Austin, Triple H, Rock, Undertaker, etc. Back when things were more exciting, and I think the crowd have got a big part to play. In this back when we were watching it, we first started, you couldn't move in, in you know, for watching a show for the crowd shouting, jumping up and down, chanting all the way through, and that's a, a bit of a, a novelty these days, isn't it? 
So I think part of the perception of the match comes from the the crowd interaction because crowd interaction is is you know fifty one forty nine with um, wrestler participation in my book. It makes a big difference to me and my enjoyment of it. So I think that's part of the reason why. I think also is that there's just generally not that much um, interest and excitement from people of, of our age. And I say that as man and Chris's age in sort of like mid to late thir- mid to early thirties. Early to mid, it's just one of those things that your expectations change and the world has changed, and so has the the way that the performers work. It's just not the same. Plus, and it's not very, a de- people of your age will be very nostalgic about the pretty much yeah. era where there was that whole point. The yeah, era was totally mad. Totally, and I'm I'm currently watching them all back again from from the start from '97 onwards. I'm up to 2001 now, and it's just it's just every single week it's absolutely knocks it out of the park. Whereas these days. If you're watching a Raw or a SmackDown, you might get one or two good matches or one or two sort of decent segments. But there's a lot of filler in there. And this is going back to a time when you had the entire roster. Superstars, Hall of Famers, you know, people even like your hardcore Hollies, your, your Crash Hollies and the Dudleys and so on like that. Just absolute stellar people at the absolute peak of the powers. Um, and I just think sometimes maybe there's a bit, there's just a bit, a bit too much in that we're looking back instead of judging it on its merits, you know, by today's standards, in which it's probably got a lot going for it. You know, when you're looking at anything against what what something was like back in the time when you enjoyed it the most, it's going to suffer. So whilst I, I see where he's coming from in a lot of points, I think you've got to just sit back and just enjoy it for what it is these days. It's not going to be what it was, and that's probably not a bad thing. I think a big problem for me, for it, with it at the minute for me, Tom, is that um, they just don't want to build stars anymore. They don't let, you know, they're pushing Roman down our throats. They let AJ be the top guy, but aside from that, they just don't let slacks of Zayn and fucking Rusev and Luke Harper and uh, you know Ambrose and Seth to an extent. They just don't let them proper flourish. They don't let them reach that level of all the other people, do they? Yeah, um, it's a very very fair statement from you, mate, Chris. And I think you answered it really well. It depends what his definition of jaw dropping moment is, really, doesn't it? Because um, to me, my what drops my jaw, uh, if you will, um, is good matches, good promos, and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, that that might not be uh, Chris's thing. He could be into, you know, Austin on a beer truck and stuff like that, and that's completely fine. I can completely see the appeal of that, but you have to... Like, when I got back into wrestling, I was like, uh, four years ago, I was like, oh, shit, no, PG, it's for kids, whatever, all that stuff. But I um, eventually settled... I came to terms with the fact that it'll never be the same as it was. It's always changing, and it will continue to change. And you have to be on board for that ride, um, if you want to be a fan. Uh, yeah, that's that's my um. Austin said something very interesting on the podcast a couple of days ago. Uh, where, so when he went out injured before he had his, his surgery and he got run over, blah, 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 that you know you could go out there with one or two sort of bullet points and just crack on and basically do what you want. And he went away for 12 months, came back... And all of a sudden, you're getting twenty-page sort of missives from the, the creative as to what you can and what you can't say. And I thought that summed it up quite nicely. That micromanagement yeah. is definitely the de- definitely the detriment of it because Christ knows what Roman Reigns or someone like that thinks about anything because we've absolutely no idea the true personality. I think we see the difference in NXT and then the UK shows when people, you know, when people are allowed to just be free, do what they want, experiment. And not tethered to you know one out geezer's every demand. I'm not disrespecting Vinny because you know he's got it to where it is and he's a fucking genius. But when you know when you micromanage everything to such an extent, nothing can ever be perfect. You can't and you know you just can't do it like that. It's too restricting. It's too mm. kind of claustrophobic and you know just doesn't let it be free. You gotta you know you gotta let it go, let it blossom, let it do its own thing, and you know. That's, you know, that's what it is, isn't it? Hopefully, hopefully Hunter, when he gets the reins full time, maybe we'll see another change, and we'll see how things go then, won't we? Give it Hope a couple so. of weeks. Hmm. I'll give Chris the feedback, and I'll see if he wants to come on and have a chat with us about it. Here. Why not? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, lads, is there anything else we want to say from this weekend of wrestling? Yeah, I actually have a pretty important thing to say. Go for it. Um, kind of been keeping it in, but um, all hail the Maharaja. <laughs> all hail. Oh, hey, anything, Chris? Uh, listen to the Bruce Pritchard podcast as well, by the way. I've been listening to them religiously over the last few weeks. I don't know if you guys have either. Bruce Pritchard and this guy called Conrad have been doing a, a retrospective on 
Bruce's time in the WWF and TNA and WCW. Absolutely fascinating. They're all two or three hours long, so they're quite they're quite yeah, time consuming to listen to. But he's just started one with Tony Schiavone as well, doing WCW exclusives. So yeah, if you're listening to uh, listen to us, give them a listen as well because I think if you're a wrestling fan, even if you're not interested in that particular era, some of the stories they've got because he was around when they signed Kurt Angle. He's got an sort of interesting one about Sonny and her career and the Montreal screw job. All the major sort of topics are covered but in, in depth and in detail that give you a lot of insight that I wasn't aware of and that maybe you weren't either. So just thought I'd give them a bit of a shout-out. Right. Uh, well, the, there's two. One's called What Happened When, and that's the Tony Schiavone WCW one. Another one is called Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, and that's the one where he discusses absolutely anything. Oh, okay. So I'd that's recommend those two. Yeah, no, really, really good podcast, lads, and uh, quite lengthy, but I think you always get better content when they're a little bit longer like that so yeah take that away with you definitely check that out well thank you dear listener for tuning in um, I've, what do you reckon we'll do lads do you reckon just do reviews from now on I think doing preview and reviews a bit time consuming a bit taxing I think we should do previews for the big ones yeah I was just going to say I, I totally agree with Tom yeah when we get the big four we'll do it we'll, do, we'll double up but otherwise yeah we'll just meet a couple of days after the events and just talk well, the next through. one is on Sunday 4th for Extreme Rules so Around the 5th, 6th of June, we'll hopefully be back again. I, I, I am in the midst of exam season then, so maybe it might be a bit later, but we'll see. We'll keep in, If you want to keep up to date with all our love podding, you can go over to Lion and Vienna Suite on Twitter and also, newly created today, with a lovely gender profile picture, at Love Podomania for specific Lion of Vienna wrestling uh, musings and whatnot. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Mabroski. You can follow Chris on Twitter at 19manning83. And you follow Tom on Twitter at Cult of Wilson. And of course, we're all at Line of Vienna Suite. So go over to lineofvienasuite.com where we're currently you know, delving into post season stuff. It's what, four weeks out from that fabled promotion day. And since, yeah, it's been a bit quiet, we're still, you know, not a lot happening. But we're ticking over. The articles are still coming thick and fast. So go and check that out. So, lads, if there's nothing else to say, I think it's time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Yes. Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Chris. (laughs) That threw me me completely off kilter then, fair play. (laughs) What was more shocking, that or Jinder winning the belt? That, to be honest with you, that just completely took me completely off guard. I was just not not seeing that come in at all. And it's goodbye from me. Celebrate.